0: Hello there, this is Dr. Vivian Lowe and you're on VLMD Rounds, a podcast on medical science and tools to optimize your health. Today I'm going to be talking about the Vasa Vasorum and I think it's going to be a pretty short episode, not because there's so little to say about the Vasa Vasorum that you know, I don't need a lot of time. It's actually the opposite. There's so much about the Vasa Vasorum to discuss that I thought I would split it into two separate episodes. And that way we could get really clear on the important aspects of the Vasa Vasorum. And the reason I am focusing on the Vasa Vasorum is because I've been asked by different, you know, people uh, over the years about my thoughts on whether the um, atherosclerotic plaque develops from the inside or from the outside. And those of you who've been following this discussion will know what I mean. Uh, I've been asked so many times that I thought, okay, let me just uh, do this episode and explain what I think is the main and real importance of the Vasa vasorum. Let's go. Okay, when we say Vasa Vasorum, let's start with the structure. And I think this whole episode, I'm going to focus specifically on the structure of the Vasa Vasorum because I find that in the general discourse of uh, the Vasa Vasorum, we focus on one small part and the big picture, most of the big picture is missing. And that's when we get muddled and confused, right? So I'm going to spend this episode trying to lay out the structure and organization of the vasovasorum so that we know exactly what we're talking about and what the issues are. So when we say vasovasorum, it just means the vessel of the vessel. And this is because when we think of a blood vessel, we know that blood vessels bring blood to different organs, different tissues in our body. What we don't think about is that the blood vessel itself is a tissue and needs blood supply. And we think, oh, it's a blood vessel. It has its own blood supply, right? But it actually needs its own blood vessels as well, and that is supplied by the Vasa vasorum. Just to make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page, Uh, Let's just go back and look at the blood vessel. And if you imagine it as a cylinder or a garden hose, for example, then the inner hollow part where the water would flow, or in this case where the blood would flow, that hollow part is called the lumen, L-U-M-E-N. So when I say the lumen, I mean the middle hollow part where blood is flowing. And then there's a lining right next to the, lo- uh, the lumen that is the inner lining, uh, the endothelial lining. So when we say inner, I mean right next to the lumen. And sometimes I will refer to that as the front door. Okay, just my own vernacular usage, right? So that's the front door. And then the opposite end, the outside of the cylinder or the garden hose where your hand would grab, right? That's the outside. Or I would refer to that sometimes as the back door, just so we have an orientation of our directions. When we look at a blood vessel, uh, The main thing to remember here is the blood vessel itself is divided into three separate zones. So the zone that is closest to the lumen, the inner zone, that is the tunica intima, T-U-N-I-C-A, and intima is I-N-T-I-M-A, the tunica intima. In very small blood vessels, it may be limited to just a one-cell layer of endothelial cells, okay? And we're used to seeing it depicted that way as a one-cell layer. However, that's not necessarily true in different parts of the body. And in the coronary arteries, it actually turns out that it's, you know, multi-layered. That intimal layer has, you know, different layers of cells maybe eight or so, ten layers of cells there. So it's not just one single uh, layer of cells lining the lumen that we might actually have uh, several layers there. Nonetheless, that is called the tunica intima. It is closest to the lumen. And then the next part is called the tunica media, M-E-D-I-A. That zone is full of vascular smooth muscle cells, Uh, maybe some fibroblasts, and these uh, smooth muscle cells, they are important to help in the constriction of blood vessels because when they contract, then they actually narrow the uh, blood vessels and increase the vascular tone, right? So that's the importance of the medial layer. That is actually the muscular layer of the blood vessels and helps to regulate your blood pressure. Again, when those cells Contract, then they clamp down on the blood vessel, and we narrow the lumen, right? And we raise your systolic blood pressure that way. So that's the tunica media. And then on the outside, we have a layer called the tunica adventitia A D V E N T I T I A. The tunica adventitia is a loose tissue uh, full of connective tissue, stromal cells. It has some immune cells there and it also has vessels running through that tissue. And this is where we find the back end vessels, the vasa vasorum. All right. Now, the vasa vasorum we think of as tiny little end vessels. So, all the vasa vasorum are end vessels. This means they don't. Uh, Anastomose or join or connect with other blood vessels. So they just go all the way to the tissue and end right there. That's what we mean when we say end vessels. We have vasovasorum uh, that is supplying the arteries. So we have arterial vasovasorum. We also have venous vasovasorum and these now drain those veins, right, and help with drainage of those veins. We also have lymphatic vasa vasorum. So, when people say vasa vasorum, mostly they're just talking about the arterial, but I just want to be clear vasa vasorum refers to the arterial vasa vasorum, the venous vasa vasorum, and also the lymphatic vasa vasorum. So, different. Uh, types of vasa vasorum there. Now, the thought was that these end vessels the, in the vasa vasorum are leaky, and for that reason, substances that normally cannot get in the vessel wall are able to leak into the vessel wall through the back door. So the thinking has been well, cholesterol is not prime in causing atherosclerosis. And it's mostly, you know, other uh, causes such as lifestyle behaviors and so on that bring about inflammation. Now, in a general sense, that's true. But we get very fuzzy, especially when we use terms like inflammation and, you know, uh, dysfunction, right? We're not actually specific. So I want to dial down a little bit more as to what we're saying here. So the idea is, okay, and I've heard this in the general discourse, right? It's like, it's really not the cholesterol. And, you know, the endothelial cell linings, they have tight junctions. And really, you know, this general idea that the LDL enters from the lumen side through the intimal layer, right, and going into the vessel wall that way. And then monocytes or immune cells, you know, kind of also entering through the same surface, the endothelial surface, that just doesn't hold true. Um, And yet in the same breath, we acknowledge that the lining of that blood vessel is, you know, covered by a layer that is this gel like viscous slippery layer called the glycocalyx. And I did a full episode on the glycocalyx in detail. And the idea is that this actually protects that lining of cells um, in the endothelial surface, right? And if we have a lot of inflammation or factors that would degrade or break down the glycocalyx, then now we leave an opening. And we expose the blood directly to the endothelial cells. And this actually causes damage and inflammation of those endothelial cells as well. And now those cells don't function well. Their tight junctions actually lose their tightness. They kind of get leaky as well. And that, you know, particles such as LDL can enter that way, and also immune cells would enter that way, right? So the idea is we say that, well, we have a tight junction and we have the glycocalyx protecting it, but with inflammation, we break down those barriers. But the LDL can't enter that way. It's actually entering through the back door, which is leaky. Well, we just cause leakiness in the front door through, you know, inflammation, right? So does your LDL then say, well, I know we have a leaky front door, we have a leaky back door, but I just have a preference for the back door, so I'm just not going to go through the front door. I don't think that happens. That's not how your body works, right? If there's a leak, then whatever's going to leak through is just going to leak through it. It doesn't get to decide, I just don't like this door, unless there are specific you know, chemical reasons for it, molecular reasons for it. It turns out that um, LDL specifically, the apolipoprotein B uh, that is covering the LDL, has positive charges, okay? They have some residues there that are very positively charged. And I mentioned in the glycocalyx episode that your glycocalyx is very negatively charged, right? All those glycoproteins that are, you know, hanging around in the glycocalyx, they are heavy negative charges around them. And so there's a natural attraction, uh, actually, for the ApoB towards the glycocalyx. And when we have damaged glycocalyx, we actually accelerate that and we further aggregate and accumulate the lipoproteins on the glycocalyx the broken down glycocalyx and this exposes them to oxidation damage and modification which now changes uh their structure all right and that's when we have the start of the problem okay so the backdoor hypothesis the vasovasorum in the adventitia they as end vessels don't have the tight junctions that the endothelial cells have. They have fenestrations or windows, all right? So that just means they're a lot more chilled out. There's a lot more space between the different endothelial cells of the end vessels. And through these gaps, different substances can migrate from within the vessel into the adventitial tissue, right? And that would include LDL as well. As I said, your LDL is not going to say, I only want to go in through the back door, not the front door, or I'm not going to go in through the back door. I'm only going to go in through the front door. Wherever there's a compromise and wherever there's leakage, right, it's going to accumulate. It's going to be able to pass through. And the same for those immune cells. And in fact, we've done intravital microscopy now, which is basically looking uh, at those cells and cell layers, Uh, in alive animal models, and this allows us in real time to see, for example, the migration of those immune cells. And furthermore, current imaging studies have verified that LDL enters through the front door, right, through the luminal side, and also through the back door. So that question of, you know, do you think it's the front door? Do you think it's the back door? to me it is kind of irrelevant. Um, but the simple answer is, it's both. Okay, it's clearly both. Now, I'm going to further break down the vasovasorum. And again, we never hear about this because we just talk about the vasorum, like it's one big thing. Uh, and it isn't. Because we actually have the vasorum externa and the vasovasorum interna. So we can further break it down into those two separate regions. The vasovasorum externa is what we see in the back door, the adventitial tissue, right? And they arise from branches of major arteries. So for example, in the ascending aorta, the um, externa, the vasovasorum externa arise from, let's say, the brachiocephalic arteries and also the coronary arteries, right? Branches of those arteries uh, eventually become the externa vasovasorum, supplying the adventitial side of um, the vessel wall. And actually, it feeds the adventitia and the outer two-thirds of the medial layer. Because as I told you before, the coronary artery itself is thicker than we thought than we originally thought or than has originally been depicted. Because that intimal layer isn't just one cell uh, lining, it's several layers of cells. And so that thickness presents us with a problem of how we're going to get oxygen to all those different cells. And the thicker it is, the harder it is to have passive diffusion from the lumen of the artery, right? Where the blood is flowing. Because that was the thought that we have diffusion into the artery wall. Well, it turns out then the vasovisorum externa is very helpful here because it's bringing in blood supply through the back door and supplying the back end, the adventitial tissue, as well as the outer two thirds of the tunica media. Right. So that helps. But what about? The interna, and it turns out we have vasa vasorum interna, and this is originating from the lumen of the parent artery itself. In this case, the coronary artery. So we're always talking about the back door when we say vasa vasorum, and nobody is acknowledging this vasa vasorum interna, which is originating originating from the lumen itself of that coronary artery which is what we're interested in right now right and that causes you know this again network of these tiny tiny uh, blood vessels tiny blood supply to the intima and it covers the intima and the inner one-third of the media right so we used to think it was all just passive diffusion of oxygen and nutrients from the lumen but no it's actually also the vasovasorum interna okay where we can get some blood supply and nutrients that way and substances can enter into the intimal layer that way as well so again it's not just back door only front door too and the vasovasorum supplies both ends because we have vasovasorum externa and vasovasorum interna and the internal layer is dependent on the number of Elastic lamellae that we see in the vessel wall. But most importantly, you should know that it's actually remodeled throughout the lifespan, right? And it's um, going to have different densities depending on different conditions and also different regions of the body. So when you are looking at this vasa vasorum interna, you You know, you can't say that, oh, there's just one pattern for it because the density, the amount of blood vessels that we see is going to be very dependent on the context and the different regions of that blood vessel, okay? So that's important to remember. So as I said, the um, LDL can enter from both sides, both doors. And furthermore, just to be more complete here, you know, we always say that cholesterol is important for all cells, right? And that all cells need cholesterol to survive. And yes, we can make, the cells can make their own cholesterol, but they also take in cholesterol and most cells have LDL receptors. Yes, the liver has most of the LDL receptors in your body, maybe let's just say like 70%, but other cells have LDL receptors as well. So they can take in Uh, cholesterol when they need it, okay? And certainly, endothelial cells have LDL receptors, they have scavenger receptors, and they have LOX1 receptors. LOX1, uh, L-O-X-1, is really a receptor for oxidized LDL, And we find that in cases of endothelial dysfunction, when you have a lot of damage to the endothelial lining, and there's a lot of inflammation going on, we actually upregulate LOX1 specifically, much more than uh, the Plano LDL receptor. So we actually upregulate these receptors that will take in those oxidized LDL, okay? And We also have numerous papers showing the transcytosis of LDL through the endothelial lining into the vessel wall. Uh, It's well known that that's how LDL can get into cells through transcytosis and then passage through that layer, right? We also understand that with inflammation there's a lot of generation of reactive oxygen species and we have a lot of breakdown of tissue because we upregulate these enzymes metalloproteinases that will destroy the tissue right and uh, you know that makes it easier for substances to pass through uh, that tissue layer okay so there are you know not just through damaged leaky endothelial linings we also have the vasovasorum interna by which LDL could enter. We also have just this transcytosis mechanism. Under normal circumstances, you're still taking in LDL through the endothelial lining anyway, right? Because we are every cell needs cholesterol, right? So we're going to bring in some, and we have LDL receptors on most cells. Yeah. So that's happening on a regular basis. And um, when you have more oxidized LDL, then actually we upregulate those receptors that will suck those oxidized LDLs in. Other things I want to say is that the vasovasorum, they can regulate their own tone, right? And it's region specific. So for example, with adenosine, if you give adenosine, we see increased blood flow to the outer, but not the inner media. Of um, the vessel, and it's also very sensitive to endothelin one, which is a vasoconstrictor. So when you give vasoth- uh, uh, endothelin one, we see vasoconstriction there. And in general, you know, I just want to emphasize that this vasovasorum is very important for the overall health of your blood vessels. Because in cases where they've gotten rid- stripped off the vasovasorum surgically or you know kind of damaged it in some way we find endothelial dysfunction happening as a result and even uh, cell death in the endothelial lining when you don't have the vasovasorum there okay And then the last bit I just want to focus on is looking at the adventitia. Because again, we just think of the back end and that's where the vasovasorum come in. Well, there are many other things that are very important about the adventitia. For example, it is home to many, many immune cells. Okay, so this is a big hint for you why this is important. It's a home to many immune cells, particularly dendritic cells, which are specialized antigen-presenting cells. They, like macrophages, can present antigen to T-cells, for example, and they are much better, much more specialized at antigen presentation than even the macrophages, right? Macrophages are very good with phagocytosis, and they do have some antigen presentation properties, but they're not as great at that as the dendritic cells. So we have a vast array of dendritic cells in that adventitia. We have uh, cells like fibroblasts, and we also have a lot of progenitor cells from smooth muscle cells, endothelial cells, pericytes, right? Especially in the zone between the adventitia and the media of large blood vessels, you're going to find a lot of these progenitor cells and you even find progenitor cells that give rise to macrophages which is fascinating to me because we often think they're either tissue resident macrophages or they're bone marrow derived right and here we have within the vessel wall itself we have progenitor cells that develop into macrophages and one other thing i will say about the adventitia it's very good at angiogenesis formation of new blood vessels under conditions of stress and low oxygen and as a result we're going to have great proliferation of the vasovasorum on that back end there all right and this is important okay but it's not the issue of does it get in through the front door or the back door that's not the important question i think that question is somewhat irrelevant um the main thing is that we do get angiogenesis and a vast proliferation of the blood vessels, the vasovasorum is going to proliferate, right? And this has its own consequences. And why is that important? I'm going to go into that specifically in the next episode, right? I just wanted to spend this episode, getting us all clear about the vasovasorum, because as I said, we've only talked about one teeny aspect of it, and we've really not looked at the big picture, number one, and then we've confused certain things, and so we think the importance here is back door, front door, and that's not important, folks, okay, that's not important, but realizing that under conditions of stress, we have a lot of oxidative stress, low oxygen hypoxia, for example. What are we going to do? We're going to need to find a way to bring more blood supply oxygen to the blood vessel itself, the coronary artery itself. And so now we have proliferation of the vasorum, and those um, vessels get denser, right? And I, I will add, it actually gets denser not just on the back end, but also in the uh, vasovasorum interna as well. Uh, there are studies that have shown that. Okay, so we just are going to now proliferate those vessels that has different consequences and different significance. As I said, I will dive into that in the next episode. Right, but in the meanwhile. Uh, Those of you who'd like to work with me on improving your metabolic health, maybe optimizing your body composition, preventing and uh, reversing some of the chronic disease burden that you may have, um, I have an online program. Uh, It's found on www.tuliversity.com, T-U-L-A-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. I'll put the link in the description. And I have spent just years and years working with patients and studying really the root cause of disease, how disease uh, progression occurs. Because if you don't understand this clearly, then how are you going to go about treating patients to help reduce their disease risk and burden, right? So that has always been important for me to have clear understanding uh, based on solid signs, that way we know what we're dealing with and how to deal with it better okay so that's it for this episode as i said a short one but i really wanted us to get very clear on the vasovasorum and then in the next episode i'm just going to dive in and tell you the real significance of the proliferation of these vessels in the vasovasorum so Signing out now from VLMD rounds, I'm Dr. Vivian Lowe and I sing the body electric. Have a good week. Bye bye.